Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And this is, okay, I got, who is this? Uh, the Creamy just came in. So I have the the door open to the basement where my office is, hoping that my three little kitten friends here will be uh, interested in being outside. But uh, wait a minute there. Let's see if he goes outside. So, uh they are a little bit of a handful, especially when now he's uh, he came from outside to go into the litter box. Samuel just did the same thing. So I guess I failed as a kitten dad to teach them to uh, use the farm outside as a litter box. But that's okay. They're good guys. And uh, for full disclosure, this is the last of the pull ahead shows. And if you didn't listen to, if you didn't catch the last couple episodes, is that I pulled ahead uh, three or four, I think four episodes, simply because uh, you could hear him digging in the litter box. This microphone picks up everything. And uh, okay, Creamy, good job, buddy. He's going back out. So uh, my art director, Sue Moore, is on vacation in Europe. So I had to pull these shows ahead. And that's why I have not been doing the. Uh, um, hot rod farmer license plate and pins in my map deal because the i wanted to just keep that i i just i didn't want to do that because it would be out of sync from when the people contacted me so what so what i will do is that once we get back in sync i will put all of that in one show and give everybody a pin in my map and announce a number of winners of the hot rod farmer license plates so that is that and uh and I thank you for uh, for for uh, being so agreeable <clears throat> to these different things that are going on here. The other thing I want to tell you, well, I want to tell you, just it's not even to tell you, just a matter of uh, whatever. And you know, I started my career as a writer in car magazines, and I my first magazine article was published in 1993 in a magazine called Vet Yuval. If you've been a long-time listener, you've heard this story before. And growing up, I loved magazines. I was a magazine-aholic, right, as a little kid. And I had I used to get all the car mag. I used to buy the car magazines, and I would get a subscription to the car magazines and all different types, car and driver, motor trend, road and track. There was a favorite of mine called Road Test. I remember when they went out of business, it was very sad, uh, you know, Drag Illustrated, uh, Superstock, and I think it was Superstock and Drag Illustrated. There was a, a Hot Rod, Carcraft, Popular, Hot Rodding, uh, you name it. I used to uh, read it and get it. And then uh, Popular Mechanics, Popular Science, Mechanics Illustrated, used to love those. And uh, my dad used to get those. And so it was just, it was fantastic, I really have to say. And... The magazines were so, I mean, I have some old, not that old, but I have some old, old magazines from the uh, 60s and 70s, probably more from the 70s, mid to late 70s, but then some, some uh, eclectic mix of some that are older than that, but they were so thick, they were so rich with content, I mean, you could, unbelievable, I mean, you could learn so much from them and there was an entertainment factor also because it wasn't a hundred percent learning but there was entertainment but even the entertainment entertainment component of it you were able to learn uh 
Now, I remember back, and I think I was in 76, I think it was, Car and Driver magazine drove a brand new vet at the time to Alaska with Brock, I think with Brock Yates and somebody else. I think Don Sherman may have been from Car and Driver, who knows. But years later, Brock Yates, I think I told you, bought a car that we had, well, that we were involved with building for his wife, a Jaguar with a V8 conversion. So uh, little did I know, when I was a young kid young boy really knows that Brock Gates would have one of my engines but there was so much so much going on uh in popular mechanics the the, the reports of the owner's surveys uh say Smokey I think he was in popular science and uh Mort Schultz I think was a had a write-in column in uh popular mechanics so but the point that I'm getting at they were so rich you could learn so much and you could even i mean today i have uh, some old hot rod magazines or car craft whatever they are that type of what we would call later buff books and uh, when i got into the industry i found out that we called those buff books <coughs> and you <coughs> excuse me and you could they, they have articles about camshaft design and cam, <coughs> camshaft grinds and what have you that hasn't changed yes we have more <clears throat> more advanced camshaft designs but the components of the way the cam and the lifter interact has not changed whatsoever so i mean so none of that goes stale and then the you know blueprinting engines balancing just fantastic so the point that i'm getting at you say where the heck are you going with this hot rod you're rambling on for five minutes M- walking down memory lane i'm just going to grab some water hold on for a second yeah, I'm back. I got to get this water. I put the water off my desk because <clears throat> these kittens jump up here. And all I need to do is have them dump a big cup of water onto my soundboard and uh, see sparks flying all over the place. That would not be too good. Well, I guess you could hear them. I don't know if you could hear them, but I could hear them in the headset. But they're, uh, yes, they're deciding to climb the extra office chair chairs if it was mount everest so uh, uh god bless them i mean we're it's a blessing blessing to have them but anyway so i walked to the mailbox the other day and uh up our driveway to the rural mailbox where they're wrecking this place and uh, unbelievable good thing my wife is at school but um, believe it or not she's in school till june 28th so uh who would think right in new jersey but uh <clears throat> And I got a thing, I got a letter in the mail or whatever, envelope, and it says to get a subscription to Motor Trend. So I said, geez, I haven't gotten Motor Trend for years. And um, and the reason why I stopped getting it for years is because it became a rag. And so I opened up the envelope and said, well, how much do I want for it? $6 for a year. Now, that if that's not a Hail Mary pass, it's and, and what basically happens... You know, the difference that they, but it was years ago. And, and to tell you the truth, even when I got involved back in 1993 with magazine writing, things were still pretty good. They weren't as good as they were, uh, let's say, back 10 years prior to that, 1983 or 20 years prior to that. But they were still pretty good if you had the right magazine as far as content was concerned. But $6 a year for a magazine for 12 issues to be mailed to you. And the point that I'm getting at is that years ago, the publishing business, the magazines, newspapers, what have you, they built circulation on content, on quality content. 
and they made their money off of circulation and obviously selling ads. Excuse me. So the whole idea was that you have great content. When you have great content, then you have a lot of circulation, a lot of readers. And then when you have a lot of readers, the ads, the companies come to you and say, we want to be exposed to your readers because, but it's so it's rooted in content. It's not rooted in price point. And now what they basically do is it's the exact opposite. So we took the cart and the horse and we turned it around. And what they're going to do is that they're trying to build, and this has been going on for years, and it's not a knock on motor trend, even though it is a rag, is that uh, they're trying to build readership or subscriptions on a price point and then go to a, 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 a potential advertiser say, look, we have whatever, a million subscribers, so buy an ad with us and we will, and you'll be in front of a million subscribers. But little, uh, and I shouldn't say little than I know because that genie is kind of out of the bottle. It's like almost like, uh, you know, the social media thing. I got 10 million subscribers, yo, and uh, you know, come advertise with me or I'm, a, I'm an influencer. What the heck is an influencer? All right, somebody said to me, oh, you're an influencer. I said, I can't influence even my kittens. Am <laughs> I an influencer? That's a, a new t- influence. Everybody's got some sort of title. Do what you're supposed to do. Do it to the best of your ability and leave the rest up to God. That's what I say. So in essence, you know, so I contemplated getting the magazine for $6 a year, but I know what a rag it is. And I said, you know, that's something else I just have to throw out every week. I stopped getting it a few years ago because by the time I walked from the from Cat Swamp Road to the garage, I put it in a dumpster. And and that's I'm a magazine aholic. By thumb through it, there was nothing nothing of any of any consequence. They're uh, gonna tell you about some kind of high-end Ferrari or something like that. Not even and it's not even good about the engineering or the technology in it or or what they the manufacturing process. It's how cool they looked riding around in California with this high-end Ferrari. So, so whatever. But that is a different, different world. And sadly, to my way of thinking is that and i've seen you know and i see that also uh, you know me i'm a straight shooter i see it with people uh, even with podcasts and videos is that the people today don't want to read they don't want to read they want to have some some sort of entertainment they want to have some youtube video and i'm not saying there's not a place for that all right youtube video or, or they just want to uh, see, watch something and if you look at the amount of reading all right and 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 i know it for a fact because even though i've been blessed with a large audience on my uh radio show and this podcast but I know that, and I've been blessed also with a good number of you coming to my website and reading something. All right, technical articles, whatever my blog or technical articles, or taking a toolbox test. But the, but the percentage of you that come to the website versus what listen to the podcast is very very. Is, I'm, gonna, I'm I shouldn't say very very small. It to me, it's a disappointing percentage. So we definitely get we, we definitely get a good amount of traffic to the website. But my contention is that if you're bothering to listen to me, you should read some of the articles. I'm not look, I mean what I'm not telling you what to do. I don't get any money if you read the articles or something, but it's just disappointing because to me it's like you're putting out a buffet. 
and you have all these people coming to a wedding or to a party or to your an open house and you go through all this painstaking care to to create something and then you say ah, nobody touched the salad nobody touched this nobody touched that and they're all over there eating potato chips so whatever but you know it's a different world and i'll tell you one thing from my estimation that yes podcasting is wonderful i'm so grateful that you listen to my show so grateful that you listen to my radio show and that is one component of it it's just like when you're in school or you're in college or you're in engineering you have the classroom part of it and then you have the practical part of it so in today's world you have the audio part of it or a youtube video or something like that the educational that kind of component but if you take that and you don't do any research and you don't read and you don't do anything more than to tell you the truth you're really missing out that would be akin to like having a a a practical education with no classroom or classroom without practical so uh but i think these magazines and you know people say oh the magazines are going out of business because of the internet it's not the internet all right it's the people don't read because they don't read on the internet also so it's a it's, it's a shame it's a shame uh it, it really is a shame because there's so much of a wealth of knowledge that you could there's so much that you could learn by reading and it's a wonderful gift and if you have and and people you know don't how many blind people would love and prayers were not answered and i mean that respectfully to the lord that that they cannot see you know what they would give to read and it's just like you know uh, just like people go into a parking lot and they park as close to the building and the store as possible you get some poor guy in a wheelchair he would love to park three rows over and be able to walk there so hey whatever so what can you do but on today's show get 14 minutes into sometimes i feel like i'm a soapbox preacher to you guys so i apologize for that but on what today's show we're going to talk about is when the results and this is with machinery but i'm going to back and i'm going to go back and forth and make some agronomic uh examples of it also because my audience is is uh in farming and you know and there's so much of a crossover and i've always said this there's so much of a crossover in pushing the limits pushing the envelope in agriculture specifically in crop production and yield and then pushing the limits in machinery and and because my focus is engines and your focus is engines so i'm sure they that i know for a fact without giving you any real hard data but anecdotally that you know the limit is being the envelope is being pushed whether it's a printing press whether it's uh, uh <clears throat> whether it's an elevator what so, so we're always pushing the envelope but pushing the envelope is usually rooted in science and physics and chemistry and what have you so but there are times especially on your level and my level on our level because we're not designing something but we're trying to fix it or work with it or analyze it or understand it so it see what's happening with it is when the results contradict the science so that would be like saying well water flows uphill and and well actually let me let me back up that i said that incorrectly we say water flows downhill but you say look at this over here it's flowing uphill so you say well how can it be flowing uphill so when you go to fix something you have a problem with something on the farm you have a problem with a piece of machinery with an engine regardless of what it is whether it's a oh geez 
don't know what what that was but anyway i don't know if you guys heard that you know with the microphone and then with the headset everything gets i don't want to say amplified gets sensitized where you pick everything up and probably if you listen with earbuds to the show you probably hear the same thing but uh but there are many times and agronomically in farming there are many times where you go and say well this doesn't make sense the science tells me this and whether that science happens to be physics whether that science happens to be chemistry or some sort of engineering discipline or that science has to be something agronomically you say well the science books tell me this the experts tell me this but this is not what i am seeing so that is you know that is what we're going to be talking about today because there are many times when the um the results or the condition defies as an in an exact in, in perfect contradiction with science so it's like having the engine say well i have spark i have compression i have fuel and it still doesn't run right and we've all had those instances so that means we have to go we have to go to the next next level and like i say in you know growing crops like for instance i have using that as an example <clears throat> is that I have, I have nine plantings and as I said last week or the week before is that they're all over the map you know they're all over the map and because when you have nine different plantings the first planting went in on May 12th and the last planting went in on June 20th so it's many many days in between and uh, the second planting looks so much better than the first planting and then if you look at my nine different plantings then I know on the third planting there's a section maybe four five six hundred feet long that you would have you would have told me or if i didn't continue planting right so that wasn't if that was the last couple of rows i would say the planter broke (laughs) because there's nothing there there's nothing there and it's not a section that flooded and the thing is that so if you look at it then you go i go into the fourth planting and the fourth planting is picket fence and I did nothing to the I did nothing to the planter. All right, so other than take it off the tractor, put it in the garage, and then take it back out again. So the fact of the matter is, is that if you were to look at the planting just prior to that, look at the third planting, and then look at the fourth planting, you'd say, well, geez, the planter must have been broken. Something happened, and then he fixed it because the next planting is is picket fence. So so that is what i'm saying it defies the science there's in contradiction to the science i don't necessarily mean the science of you getting out a, a calculator or a scientific calculator and starting doing mathematics but it 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 defies i don't even want to say conventional wisdom or 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 common logic or critical thinking but there are there are times that things happen with machinery that even though you try to run that scenario through your mind and try to figure out say okay i have spark i have fuel i have compression why doesn't it run all right which means that you have to go to the next level and then oftentimes when that happens at the time it is not a blessing to you all right so if you look at if you if you have something happen with a crop and you lose a good portion of your crop or whatever that is not a blessing to you by no way means shape or form if you have a piece of equipment that's down 
and you end up and it ends up giving you a hard time and you're going down the wrong you end up going down the wrong path and we all have done that i mean i do that all the time i'm no different than you are and and it's and it said so this is you're scratching your head this is crazy how, how can this be this is absolutely crazy right you're not happy about it at that time you just want to get this thing up and running or or whatever it may be and get back on with your life because you're not getting paid to be a researcher you're, you're a farmer or you're a truck driver or you need this car to, to go to work the next day it's not something where this is not an, an, an exercise in education but what will happen though and you could bear witness to this in your own life if you have the proper mindset though we don't like those times none of us want those times is that those are the times when we learn the most but we only learn the most if we stop at one particular point it doesn't have to be that day so in other words if you're looking to get something done something has to be done on a farm you got to get this engine running you got to get this plant going you got to get the car fixed whatever whatever you got at the well pump going all right but the thing is that so we we get out of it we, we get we get out of the ditch right we get it out of a metaphorical ditch and get but then we have to stop and think and say why did the conventional wisdom why did the science how come this water is flowing uphill instead of flowing downhill and i had made reference to this and i know um, probably six or seven months ago because a couple of you even reached out to me because you were um, i'm not gonna say you were so amazed but you were surprised by it and rightfully so that back in the early eight well back in the early 80s that general motors actually had an issue with a with a uh, the seal in the engine coolant sensor and and the seal would go bad and you would not see any manifold leakage whatsoever of the coolant but the, the over time and over thermal cycles all right through a capillary action the coolant would actually start to push up through the wires now a coolant sensor is a thermistor so it's two wires and in gm it was yellow and black and they're not heavy gauge wire they're five volt signals all right most of the engine management systems even today work off of what they call v ref five five volt reference signal so they're not thick heavy wires and then what would happen is that the dynamics of it excuse me is that the coolant would actually push through the wire all right so you went by the coolant sensor connection you didn't see anything the coolant would push through the wire and through the wire and then work its way all the way into the car and uh the ecm which they called it back then ecm engine control module now they call them electronic control modules or ecus because they do more than the engine but back then they called it ecm engine control modules was either in the kick panel or up underneath the dash you take the hush panel down it was behind the behind the glove box and the pat and the, the the customer complaint would be that there's green fluid which was antifreeze at the time dripping on uh not a ton of it but dripping on the passenger side floor so you say so so the first thing that would come to your mind dripping on the passenger side is that it would be uh right the heater core is leaking a heater hose is leaking right and then historically usually shortly thereafter what would happen is that the vehicle would come in and these were carbureted cars 
and so they would run without the ECU. You could take the ECU and throw it, or ECM, and throw it in the dumpster, and it would start and run. The only thing that would happen is that if the they had a electronic feedback carburetor, so the mixture control solenoid would not function. So the carburetor would run very rich. The metering rods would be completely out of the main jets, and there would be no spark advance. It would be just a position of the tire, of the distributor. So there would be no advance and be no fuel. There would be, but as far it would it would run very rich but it would start and run cold whatever you drive it to california where you end up plugging the catalytic converter but it could start and run that's not going to be a problem all right maybe a little bit doggy because it had no advance and not get good fuel economy but other than now start and run and then historically what would happen is then the check engine light would come on and no ecm would be wiped out because it shorted out from coolant being in it all right so you say you say to yourself well if you were to look at the science how can at first blush how can coolant travel through a wire into and you have to realize that if the coolant sensor was in the front of the engine like it was on a buick v6 and then i mean that coolant was probably traveling six feet through that wire it didn't happen overnight they're right six feet through that wire because by the time you look at the wiring harness the way it ran along the engine went through the firewall and then where where the kick panel was or wherever the ecm was it wasn't like it was going six inches and you'd say to yourself well how can this not leak I, I, how can i not see this on the intake manifold how can i have antifreeze coming in the passenger compartment and how can it pick i pick up the ecu and i got five drops of antifreeze it's but i mean it wasn't pouring out of there like a heater core but uh but you know you get a, a, a three tablespoons of antifreeze comes comes out when you tilt the ecu ecm so crazy right so so that's <clears throat> so those are the things that really end up getting us and we need to stop and we need to and i did a show a while back on applying you know critical thinking but i think this is a little bit beyond that and this is almost like 2.0 version of that show so uh but if you were to look at getting back to what i was saying originally is that yes you're not designing something you're not doing anything but on your farm in a way that you you your farm is a research plot right every farmer who's worth his salt his farm is a research plot to some extent because you're going to try something new right i mean we all know that that it's you one of the one of the hallmarks of agriculture is that we always did it this way well you know we say that it's the hallmark of agriculture and we don't want to push the envelope but the hallmark of most farmers are they do push the envelope but a good percentage do say we always did it this way so we're not interested but also that's not just farmers that happens in engineering that happens in in mechanics that happens in everything so well, we always did it that way always we always put the egr valve over here always put the egr valve over here and then and so we got to put the egr valve over here or you take like chevrolet we always put this we always put the distributor in the back of the engine and then ford converse and the vh always put the distributor in the front of the engine so that was that you know that was their hallmark they never gave that any other thought that's how we always did it and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad but what will happen what i'm working my way to is that when you have an instance and you try something new or you're faced with a mechanical problem on anything it makes a difference whether it's a washing machine or whether it's your combine 
and a mechanical problem and you say to you, and you start to scratch your head and say this defies the the results defy the or what's happening defies the science or also on the same theme many times we, what you'll say is the results are defying the science not what's happening the results are defying the science because this engine want, should want whatever a 35 i'm making something up a thirty-five thousand spark plug gap but it doesn't run right with thirty-five thousands. why put it at forty thousands it runs really well so you're saying well the science when i'm using the word science in that particular out of context but the science says it should want a thirty-five thousands gap the the shop manual says thirty-five thousands. this engine wants 35 should want thirty-five thousands, or this engine always wanted thirty-five thousands, but now it does not want thirty-five thousands anymore it wants forty thousands hmm so something has changed so the science or the specification or the theory has has changed it not, something something is different and we have to look at it that way and you know can we should we throw our shoulders up and go oh okay but cap it at forty thousands. well the thing basically is is that yes if you need that engine to run gap it at forty thousands, as i started to say before do you do you know, send it out do what you have to do with it but then that should be haunting you because if it haunts you and i don't mean that you lay awake at night all right but if you don't let that get away from you if you start to think about it then you will then that that problem and all the time that you spent trying to get that using that engine to run right all the time that you spent trying to get the engine to run it will not be lost like i said you didn't want that you want it to be an easy fix all right you want to go out into your field you want to put so much n so much p so much k and you want to have a bumper crop yield all right but sometimes you end up dumping the hose busts on the on the on, on the uh on the liquid fertilized spreader and you put a heck of a lot of n or p or k there or whatever you're putting down or a bunch of micronutrients and then you come back in the field and say wow this corn is dead <laughs> right or wow this corn is 12 feet tall all right so the thing is that you use that and then you have to go back and say well you know why did the corn die it should have wanted more n p and k and obviously i know somebody's gonna say well you had too much and i'm trying to take that out of this conversation as best as i can and i want to go with pushing the envelope so i have a couple of things a couple of different things here i want to discuss with you so now even so i spoke about my plantings right you can say i don't care about that hot rodder because i don't plant corn whatever you do maybe you're an agronomist or maybe you're a mechanic in a john deere dealership or what have you or who knows or maybe a car guy listening to this so or, or whatever but the fact of the matter is that when you start to look at something you need to be able to say well this makes no sense if the if the if the, i have a ground drive planter the everything everything looks right and then the next day i put it in I, well i shouldn't say the next day five or six days later i go plant and there, the whole that whole section of the field looks beautiful so at that particular point what we have to do is say well these results don't make any sense the the physics of the planter have not changed all right so why do i have a a, a 
textbook stand, uh, a picket fence stand here, and then the other plant thing I didn't have where I have picket fence, picket fence, two rows right down the middle is like the plant that was shut off, and then I come back around, and it's fine. So the thing is that, and I'm not going to get too much into that as far as whether it's the, the it's what it what what happened in my particular instance my particular instance that i feel that it was soil temperature and moisture right because we were very very wet and we were cold and sweet corn seed is a prima donna like i said it's like goldilocks the porridge can't be too hot or too cold and if you if you are a farmer you certainly understand that and even though you may not have soil variability in your field well everybody has soil variability to a certain extent but we're blessed for our fields are not really extremely variable all right so i mean it's within spitting distance or error throughout throughout the fields i mean not that i have the greatest ground but it's very it's uniformly not great so uh but the thing is that so yeah variability is an issue but what you but what i have found especially with my early plantings is that it's the soil temperature and the moisture which are the greatest variables that i cannot control that are going to not have my and you would you wouldn't think that you have three or four hundred feet all right a couple of rows of 300 400 feet that this that this that the seed never came up or if it came up it died before i saw it or it started to break through the soil all right and so the thing is that so you look so you need to look at that and see what's going on now sometimes and lots of times you do not get the answer all right but what you do find out is now and i'm and i'm using this as an example because i'm 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 blessed in a sense of having the nine plantings and say well four days later the conditions were so much the conditions were they weren't that much different but they were different enough to get this corn to germinate emerge and to give me a picket fence stand so now taking this back to machinery and this specifically happens with electronic circuits because as i've said many times is that electronic circuits or electrical circuits and electronics electrical being that it is works off electricity a starter motor is electric a blower motor is electric a light bulb is electric all right a radio is electronic because it has a circuit board and so that's a simplistic way of looking at it is that that any electronic that has a more complicated circuitry and some basic electrical things have a threshold voltage that they will work at and if it gets below that threshold voltage they do not function but now keep in mind also is that it's not only a threshold voltage but the so the circuit is designed for a threshold voltage so you say okay this whatever let's use uh, a radio for instance that this radio will play up into 9.6 volts at 9.5 volts it stops playing but where a lot of people get get confused getting back to our theme when the results don't match the science so let's say you have a a component but uh whatever a simplistic thing like a solenoid 
And it's telling me it could be on an engine, it could be on a drag race car, it could be on a combine, it could be on an irrigation unit, it makes no difference. The solenoid doesn't know what it's on. All right, maybe your application specific as far as the voltage is concerned, or how much pull-in current, that, that's, the, that's the energy it's going to, the amperage it uses to pull it in and turn on. But ultimately, a solenoid doesn't know where the heck it is, or what it's turning on and off. But the threshold of the solenoid so when you're designing a solenoid you say okay that we're going to work off of 14 volts or 14.6 volts because on the machinery side of it and you know whether it's agricultural machinery or automotive or tractor trailers or what have you we'll call it road vehicles all right road vehicles or off-roads probably a more more concise way for me to say it is that they're usually going to figure all of their calculations based around charging circuit voltage and most alternators for the past number of years put out about 14.5 14.6 volts excuse me so because of ohm's law which is volts times volts times amps equals watts all right if you multi, if you if you change the voltage all right or the amperage you still need the same amount of watts to make this thing go so whatever whatever it may be so in essence if you have let's say your wife has a hair dryer and it's 1200 it's 1200 watts so i'm using and we have 120 easy numbers in my head and so i'll mess it up during the show so if it's 1200 watts and it's uh 10 so 120 volts line voltage and so that would draw 10 amps now if the line voltage goes down to 118 volts and right which is normal variation in output all right the thing is that it's going to take maybe i could do the math but i'm not going to do it right now with ohm's law it would take let's say 11 amps or 12 amps to get to the 1200 watts but everything works on wattage but what i'm getting at is that so when when the when the results contradict the science so you're saying well this solenoid is not working all right this solenoid is not working or it's working intermittently usually when something is dead and i don't care whether it's mechanical or electrical or plumbing wise that's the easiest effects because it's dead right okay let's got to look why it's dead where's you know where's the bullet hole metaphorically and then we'll, we'll find out why it's dead but when it works intermittently or works poorly and that's where a lot of people say well the science says and i'm using the word science again says all right hey it's got voltage to it it's got 12 volts to it but i beat this to ad nauseum on this show many times is that the threshold voltage is a design function of the component but the ground circuit influence is not a design component because when they design a circuitry and whether that circuitry is a starter motor or whether it's a or, or it's, a, it's, a, it's a who's this who's this creamy creamy just came up with but you're outside creamy they're right creamy so uh maybe he's going to start to purr in the microphone come on come on creamy. Come over here buddy he's very 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 sensitive and he shows his facial expressions you could read him like a book he wears his heart on his on his paw and then if you you'll like take 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 him off like this he looks like a sad little puppy dog but anyway uh but the but the design of the circuitry is based upon the input voltage and it's under the assumption that you are going to have an efficient ground path 
So there's, there's no design strategy saying, okay, well, we have good voltage, but how is this solenoid going to work? How is this monitor in a combine is going to work? How is this ECU going to work in the car? Just like, you know, General Motors didn't design it to have antifreeze in it, as I was saying before. And that is where, so when you're applying, and then again, I'm using the word science, you're saying, well, I got, I got good voltage to it, right? But there's no design criteria for a circuit to work properly with a high impedance ground. And that is where people often get led astray. Whereas they're saying, well, the results are not, are not, the results are not meeting what the, what the science says. The science says I should have voltage here. I have voltage, but there is a ground circuit issue. So keep that in mind is that whenever you're dealing with with electronics or electrical things and as i started to say before so in essence now ground circuits and voltage and the resistance of components are very key to temperature so you could go and say well today the engine started the solenoid worked and tomorrow it does not or five minutes from now it does not because something has changed and that's where you apply that logic of saying well what is happening here and you're going to not push the envelope as far as engineering is concerned but what you're going to do is push the envelope as far as taking the analytic approach to diagnosing it and say okay it needs voltage and ground i've confirmed that the voltage is good but did i really confirm whether the ground is good so just like a seed or do you put a seed in the ground it needs to have seed to soil contact if you don't have seed to soil contact, you're not going to have any moisture travel. You're not going to have any heat travel from the soil to the seed, and you're not going to. And the seed is not going to germinate. All right. So the thing is that so you come into play, and you have to you have to look at that aspect of it. But uh, what mostly confuses people is that when they are working on something, and I had a gentleman contact me and a very nice gentleman and he listens to the podcast he may even be listening to this one all right and he came over from hemming's muscle machines and he has a 1969 that he bought new uh barracuda 340 all right uh four-speed car 340 was a great but a notchback barracuda i haven't seen many notchback 340 barracudas my friend gene my best buddy gene worst out in nevada who's a a very very good historian he said he's seen a number of 68 and 69 notchback 340 cars i've never seen a notchback i've seen fastback 340 cars but i've never seen a notchback but anyway so he contacted me because he listened <clears throat> he listened to the podcast episode of they did a while back i don't know when i did it about how uh, how a ignition system works how a break a point ignition system works and that so so i'm telling you this for a reason so he contacted me he says he's had this car since 1969 1968 it was a 69 bought it new and and um and it came from chrysler with a dual point distributor all right so it's two sets of points breaker points instead of one and so there's a there's a, a there's a primary and a secondary set and when you usually set those all right is that they would give you a dwell because remember the length of the dwell is the length of when you talk about distributor points that or ignition modules the length of time that the circuit is turned on in this particular point the points are closed and the coil is being charged so what would happen is that they would usually block 
the secondary point with like a piece of cardboard from from a matchbook and then you would set the dwell on the primary points and then they would uh, that would be the leading points and then they would give you a specification and then they would give you a total specification i'm making up numbers all right so let's say that they wanted 26 degrees on the primary so 26 degrees of distributor cam rotation the breaker points would be closed and then on the primaries and then they wanted a total of 40 degrees so then you would set the secondary points the gap on the secondary points to get a total of 40 well that's then that's like 40 to 30 degrees so 26 degrees on the primaries and then you'd have a total of 30 degrees that was the number i wanted in my head all right so you'd have four degrees of dwell on the secondary side and then it would come up with 30 degrees so the fact of the matter is so what he had said is that over the years the engine did not want to run right but it did many years for, for since 1969 right with the point set the specification and these those are probably the wrong numbers i'm giving you but just for demonstration purposes set the specification all right the, but now he had to set it to a different specification for it to run right and he was asking me and he thought maybe it was because the timing chain was worn and the gear so he had put a new timing chain in it and and he'd still had the same results so here is where again and again the science something has changed what changed in my field all right that 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 my corn didn't grow in those two rows and from uh, two, two rows over it grows beautifully all right so something changed so what changed in this engine what changed in this distributor so i had said to him that i felt that most that you have to now look back and you have to follow the diagnostics and say okay the science isn't working for 40 years water flowed downhill all right now on year 41 or 51 or probably 50 years right 69 50 years now year 52 water is flowing uphill well how can water flow up till something something has changed but with the dynamics of an engine just like a crop it's going to talk to you it's going to tell you what it wants now i have to commend this gentleman because he's doesn't understand why yes he set the points at a different dwell setting and drive the car and enjoy it and use it but he kept in his mind say what's going on well maybe it's the timing chain there's one maybe this is one so since you know i'm not a hero but since he ready and i never i wouldn't think it was the timing chain but you have to but you know that is possible oh geez that is possible those kittens are jumping on something but that is possible but what you have to look at now you have to stop and think and you have to go backwards and say all right what is the breaker points doing they're saturating the coil and if they're saturating the coil, it's like you filling up your bank account, right? So if you put deposit money in your, oh, brother, deposit money in there, they're running through here like a jet jobs. Uh, running, <laughs> if you deposit money in your bank account, you could now take it out and draw, draw, draw from it and write checks, right? So the thing is that, so now the ignition demand, using this as an example, <clears throat> the ignition demand on um, the coil is going to be predicated upon a lot of things it's going to be the upon cylinder pressure upon timing upon air fuel ratio right so that's going to be predicated upon that but let's say the ignition demand did not change because nothing physically changed in the engine all right that he was able to determine 
All right, but now, what is supplying the coil? Well, the coil in this particular instance, and you could take this, don't forget, oh, brother, here comes, here, come, oh, here comes Samuel. No, no, Samuel. No, no, Samuel, Samuel, go over there. Go, 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 come over here, Samuel. Good boy. All right, you're very good, Samuel. Come over here. I got to go away for a second. Okay, Samuel. No, no, no. You go out here. See creamy. So, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, what changed? But you have to remember that the source that the coil is being fed through, all right, on a, on, on a Chrysler, knowing your product, is that goes to a ballast resistor. So it steps the voltage down. So I said to him, what I feel has happened is that the engine is <clears throat> asking for the the coil saturation to be different because the feed to the coil or the coil itself has changed that <clears throat> either the ballast resistor has gotten a, gotten more resistance to it all right or something that changed it's not dropping the voltage or the primary windings or the secondary windings in the coil has started to age or who knows what have you all right and that is so that would be like you coming and saying well you know i have the thermostat i have to turn the thermostat up in my bedroom all right so i have to turn it up to 75 to keep it comfortable at 68 because i got a busted pane in the window so ultimately you are still keeping the house or the room at 68 but you're using more oil the dynamics have changed because of that so as you start to look at it it's the the results what you're what you're seeing in front of you the tangible all right the anecdotal all right what you're seeing in front of you doesn't match the science the theory the specifications now i had a couple of things here that I wanted to go through, and some of them are electronic, but some of them are not. All right, that just to give me examples when this happened to me recently. All right, years ago when I had my shop, I had a a guy with a lifted Ford F two fifty. It had a three fifty one Windsor in it with fuel injection from the factory. The thing would have a high, would all of a sudden would freak out and have a high idle. All right, idle like eighteen hundred RPM. You shut it off, you turn it back on. All right comes down comes down idles fine could idle fine for three days all right could idle fine for five minutes and all of a sudden 1800 rpm all right so it's, it's so what it's basically was basically doing is that those systems didn't have an idle air control motor they had auxiliary bypass valve like a bosch system so they had a and it was dithering it was a duty cycle valve and would have air bypass the throttle plate and gm had the same thing in other manufacturers but they had a stepper motor but they had a little motor with a pintle that would open up and bypass the throttle plates the concept is the same but how they got there was different instead of using ford used a, a, a dithering duty cycle valve whereas gm used a stepper motor and some Chryslers and other cars use a stepper motor. So what would happen is this thing would start to go. So I went crazy with this, and then what I was able to determine, uh, I don't remember how it was many years ago, I was able to determine that even though the TPS voltage was correct, because I had a, because I would think through the logic, say, well, what would make this engine want to move the idle air control all right, or the stepper motor, the auxiliary bypass valve, to, to give it a net result of 1,800 RPM. So I said to myself, well, one of two things 
it could possibly be. Number one is the tax signal could be skewing going into the processor. So it thinks it's at 600 RPM instead of 800 RPM, and it keeps it moves this this step remote, well, this idle air control out this auxiliary air, give it enough bypass air because it thinks it's at 600 or 500 RPM, and it's programmed to run at 800 RPM. So it's going to give it a lot of bypass air, right? And or it could go and it could look at the throttle, the TPS, the throttle angle, and it could want to give it more uh, more bypass air because it thinks the throttle is in a different position. So you may say, okay, fine, but now we apply, all right, so, so the science doesn't work out here, right? Because it's not... I look at the tax signal with a scope and the tax signal is clean at that particular point. The thing wants to go 1800 RPM. So the thing, what I did determine with that truck was that it was the TPS. And, but I could never, ever, ever confirm it. I shouldn't say I couldn't confirm it. Let me back that up. I'm, I'm, that's a misstatement. I couldn't confirm it with the voltage. So what would happen is that I ended up tapping, doing a tap test on the TPS. Even though I had a voltmeter on it, I was not able to see any real variation in it because when you tap it, it should have no variation. Ended up putting a TPS on it, but that was one of the times where I had something. To this day, I can't understand why the science, all right, gave a different result so contradicted what was going on so now the thing is that but when you get involved with some sort of control circuit and that's really what i'm talking about here is that sometimes you have to close your eyes or your mind to something what i personally think was happening and i still think about this truck 30 years later but what i personally think was happening is that i was not able to catch it with the voltmeter and you say, how can you not catch it with the voltmeter? Is because I was using a digital voltometer and a digital voltometer. I don't remember what kind I had at that time. And I don't think it was a fluke. May have been one from Radio Shack. I mean, it was a decent meter, but the digital voltometer has a damp dampening effect to it. And I personally think what was happening is that I would go, I tap the TPS or whatever it would happen, and it was. I'm going to use the word shorting out inside. I don't know what was happening. It was sending a bad, bad data to the ECM. The ECM at that particular point saw this data, made the decision whether it thought that the idle was too low or keep in mind in that particular instance that at wide open throttle, so you're going to pass somebody, most of the logics are to, with those auxiliary bypass valves, the stepper motors to open that up all the way all right not it's not going to give you more rpm but it's going to open it up to position it to be anticipated for you slamming the throttle closed and it not stalling that you shut off all the air so it opens up so you go and you pass somebody right and um, today they use drive by wire they use a stepper motor and open up the throttle so the logic is a little bit different but they do hang it open and delay it that way so with those auxiliary bypass valves what you would do is you'd whack it to the floor all right so five volts on the tps it would bring that duty cycle all the way out 100 percent duty cycle because it knows at one particular point you're going to release that throttle if you're going to slam you're not going to release it easy you're going to 
let you're going to let it go and it's going to slam closed and you don't want to flame out the engine and starve it for air so then it will dampen it on an old carburetor lots of old carburetors have what they call the dash pot to do that all right but the thing is that so what i so keep in mind that when you're doing something and, and 90 i mean this these are obscure cases that i'm telling you about but the but that the obscure case is what's going to teach you and the obscure cases that bite you in the in the in the in your blessed assurance what you sit on right all right the thing is that that's where you're going to learn the most and what i've seen over the years in today's society has gone so much for we want digital we want computerized is that every digital meter has a certain amount of dampening in it so it has a delayed reaction and then when you buy a very expensive meter it's going to have a quicker response time and you could catch up but if you had an old analog meter all right so that's why if you have an analog meter don't throw it away or buy one and keep in your toolbox because and it makes no difference whether you're looking at an ac or dc circuit all right if something's happening so quickly that the updating of the digital meter because when you look at a digital meter it's got to update just like a digital clock all right so it has to update has to send it okay it's it's, it's 1152 it's 1153 now what have you so the thing is that it's got it has to do that whereas if you have a a analog meter which is a needle meter you could see the needle but the, the needle moved and i guarantee you that if i probably were using an analog meter which was my my mistake because i had a simpson 260 right which is a wonderful meter i would have seen that maybe not all the time i would have caught it whoa the thing blipped right i saw a blip in it all right and the thing is that and that would have led led me to it probably three days earlier when not taking a guess at that particular point say well it seems like it's the throttle position sensor but i can't confirm it now use that same keep that same logic that when you're working on anything on the farm whether it's some something some kind of something on your combine something on your grain bin something even in the in the house all right or in the shop the farm shop your well pump whatever it may be irrigation system what have you uh it could be uh fans in a dairy barn fans in a hog house what have you is that we all love digital meters but you should keep an analog someplace a good analog meter in your toolbox all right and and the thing is that because lots of times that blip on that needle is what's going to give you the direction of of hey something is going on here all right and then because otherwise the science is telling you well this is that specification but it's not acting right or it's at specification and it doesn't want to perform properly all right and i change the specification and it performs properly so something is going on and and we need to look at that all right the other thing is that you must always look at a cause and effect and think through this is that if you have some sort of cause there has to be some sort of effect that's instituting it and <clears throat> what i think of and i said this many times for some reason and we well, i thought it was the gasket on my oil burner my heating system it'll run fine run fine run fine then all of a sudden it'll flame out all right always on the start it never flames out going when it's running through a cycle flames out in the start and then the bolts on the pump the pump the the, the pump that sucked the oil from the, the 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 fuel oil the heating oil from the tank and and pressurize it to put it through the nozzle those bolts loosen up a little bit and then the pump loses its siphon now if you were to look at i've said this to you before in this show before is that 
they don't loosen up where you, they're loosening up like an eighth of a turn. And I thought it was the gasket. I figured, well, the gasket's 20 some five years old, the heating system. We probably took the pump apart 20 years ago, 15 years ago or something like that. We never took it apart again. All right, and the gasket probably probably uh got saturated and and uh lost it's it, it's just it's just not gasketing all right it's not sealing right because it needs to it, it it lost its compression i should say because you have to realize that when you tighten up something i don't care whether it's a head gasket all right or what have you or on this oil pump is that you you don't want to you you have a certain amount of compression that ha- and that you're not going to squeeze and crush the gasket when you're crushing the gasket it's beyond its elastic range so you want to have a certain amount of compression so just like when you have a belt tension you want a certain amount of tension on a belt a rubber drive belt all right whether it's serpentine or a v-belt so that it could grab and wrap around the pulleys you don't want it too too tight in theory and you don't want it too too loose and the same thing happens with some sort of gasket you want to have a compression against that gasket so you want to have just enough pressure on that gasket that that gasket is going to is going to want to still i'm going to use the word fight it fight the compression and it's going to want to ex- try to push out and expand all right because when it just when you're not you're not killing the gasket and crushing it and running it over like something on the road but you're giving it just enough enough pressure on it so it wants to expand and that's when it seals so i figured that this gasket over time lost its ability to be resilient and want to push back against the housing and if the bolts loosened up just a little bit all right why they would loosen up i shouldn't that it would not that it would not it would break its siphon and the funny part about it is that it could run 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 be fine and then the next time the boiler goes to fire the safety shuts it off because it saw no flame the 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 flame sensor all right years ago like on my parents farmhouse we had a stack switch to look the exhaust temperature all right but now they have a well now for past 30 years they have a flame for what he is of a flame sensor that looks for a flame in the in the firebox over by the by the electrodes and by the nozzle so you go over tighten up and then they change the gasket and then six months later the same thing happens so now the fact of the matter is is that this doesn't this doesn't this science this science is not matching what's happening here but now the fly in the ointment is that even though we bought a gasket for it, I bought a gasket for it, is the gasket made out of the proper material because the first one lasted 20 years and now this one after five, uh, six months is starting to act like the 20-year-old one, all right? So that's something that you need to think through and that's the that's the 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 unknown in the diagnostic equation, all right? So we, so what, we have to look at it and say, so we could apply some science, but you say the science is telling us this should not be happening, but yet it is happening, all right? Just like when I, you know, people tell me, oh, for years people told me, or you read the chickens, the chickens that when you shut the lights off or it's dark, that they don't do anything, they're like in a coma, right? Well, when I had my chickens, my first set of chickens, they called them the cadet lots of times well i shouldn't say a a number of times i'd leave the farm early in the morning to go out for business and i'd say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna let them out we have a big pen a pen for them it's 30 feet by 50 feet all right then they have a coop in there so i would let them out of the coop so they would be in the pen and be safe because i was going to be gone so i'm leaving it's four o'clock in the morning all right Uh, it's uh 
or or I didn't put them in that night because they were sleeping on the roost. And I said, well, I'm going to go feed them and check them. All right, that summertime they're sleeping on the roost inside the enclosure. They're not sleeping in the in the in the coop. They're sleeping outside. And I'd come there at four o'clock in the morning and pitch dark outside. And the one the, I used to call them the cadet. The one cadet they're, they're walking around. I said. Oh. You walk around for it. It's supposed to be chickens, and then you're supposed to be sleeping, right? And the thing is that then I had and all of my chickens at certain times, because I would know that they went to bed. It was dark when I put them to bed, and I get up in the morning, they'd be someplace else, three roosts over. So that means they got up in in the pitch dark and moved to a different roost. All right. So the fact that it matters, lots of times, the science doesn't 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 confirm or contradicts the results you have with you that you have in front of you so as i get ready to close now let me try to make some sense to this because i don't feel that i did a good job of making sense this and i'm not saying that you throw away the science i'm not saying you throw away the engineering i'm not saying anything with that whatsoever that that is a basis point but the fact of the matter is is that it cannot in many instances when you're working on machinery when you're working on in in on equipment on engines and also agronomically all right and i'm no agronomist and i always claim i always say that that is my my uh, my caveat that no agronomist all right is that you go and you say to yourself well they tell me it should be this way and i make it this way and that is the difference between a chef and a cook that's the difference because a cook follows the recipe verbatim the chef takes the recipe and uses it as a guideline as a starting point and then alters it tastes it and moves it around and says well hey you know i'm not gonna it's not gonna cook i'm not gonna cook it as long today the recipe says 10 minutes but the barometer is different today so the atmosphere the water is boiling quicker or sooner all right and i'm gonna modify my cooking time all right and as a and that's basically in essence what happens when you work on your machinery but when you are having a problem with something or it's not running right or it's not functioning properly so for instance getting back to that solenoid you could say well that solenoid pulls in fine all right it it has a good ground i checked the ground i checked the voltage it pulls in fine but sometimes it doesn't pull in fine so now is it not pulling in fine because or whatever it's controlling let's say it's a solenoid on a starter all right and it's moving an arm for the way they used to call it the bendix years ago to to engage the drive or let's say it's a solenoid that's moving something on a piece of equipment right is it not this is it the solenoid or is it the or is the part that it's moving is binding and let's say it's a solenoid that's not moving anything but it's moving things just electrically right so it's not moving so it's a starter cell in a sense not moving something it's redirecting voltage and current so like for a fog light switch right so you throw it and they would call that a relay not a solenoid because a solenoid in theory moves something whereas a relay does but still electromagnetic still works on on the same function but the fact is you have to look at it and say well you know what's going on here is that I may have to monitor my input voltage. So you may have a, something on a, a controller on a grain bin. And I like to use that because they're quite complicated today. You may have a controller on a fan and a misting system in a dairy barn. All right, so you may need to put a voltage monitor on that. All right, and they sell these 
All right, and I'm not saying you run out and buy one tomorrow, but <clears throat> specifically for AC, for some sort of voltage in a building or what have you, or a piece of, you know, like I say, that they sell these, they're almost like data recorders. They're not overly expensive, all right? Um, and then you could you could plot and say, what's happening? What's happening to this piece of equipment? How come this is going astray or this is not working? You may find that the line voltage may just be at that threshold. You may find on a DC circuit that the ground is just at that threshold. And you say to yourself, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, you may never know what's doing is it the humidity in the air is it the barometric pressure is it is it the um the temperature but as long as you identify in that particular instance it's a ground circuit if you identify that this engine likes to spark plug gap wider then you need to say to yourself well why would it like a wider spark plug gap well, a wider spark plug gap is going to increase the what they call the ionization window, and if the mixture is too lean, it's going to want a, lie, a wider spark plug gap to try to light off that mixture. I'm not saying for it to start. I'm saying if it to run properly. Say this thing doesn't run like it used to. All right, starting is a whole different story, right? And the, and the thing is that so we need to apply this and think about this, and oftentimes anybody from all of my years of doing this whether it's farm equipment and i'm not saying i never get baffled i'm not saying i have all the answers by no means <clears throat> i do not have all <clears throat> excuse me i do not have all the answers but if you start to look at it and say well <clears throat> how can water be flowing uphill how can coolant be pushed through a wire all right how can i have coolant coming out of an ecm when there's no heater core leak and there's no heat radiator or heater hose leaks underneath the dashboard so how is it coming from so you have to backtrack and then at that particular point that is the eureka moment you say i've never seen this before and you are instead of pushing the envelope as far as engineering is concerned or pushing the envelope as far as as far as uh crop yield is concerned or agronomically what you're doing is you're pushing the envelope as far as your understanding is concerned and that lesson that you learned i'm getting back to that coolant sensor the lesson that you learned you could now apply to something else but maybe not verbatim and that's really what the what the a diagnostician is and that is what it's looking at it and you're saying well okay fine that that this person you're a doctor this person or this animal has this this blood level or this in their blood but they're not responding as most people do with that blood level like sadly a doctor that we go to for many years he saved my dad's life dr pollock wonderful man he's an otolaryngologist and he knows and throat man and uh now that charles can be out of school she wanted to go see him to get her ears clean for wax so uh you know, call them, and then the office didn't get back, office didn't get back, office didn't get back. Then all of a sudden they got back, and sadly he was, uh, no, uh, hello, Hannah, Hannah just meowed. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> and uh, and uh, sadly he was he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So, we, no, no, Hannah, don't go on the, on the soundboard. So you ruin the whole show. So anyway, so um, what happened is he is practicing a little bit and seeing some patients one day a month and we were blessed to be able to go see him 
I'm just gonna move away from the mic. Come on, Hannah, go down. Sorry. And then uh, we were able to go see him, and I said I'm gonna go see him and give him a hug and pray for him. Uh, sadly, he's a wonderful. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. He has zero faith, which is a challenge for me because I, I, I know he needs to have a relationship with the Lord and accept Christ as his Savior, even even though he's Jewish, but he says he's a lousy Jew, but whatever. But um, this show is not the place to go there. But what he basically said is that the type of pancreatic cancer he has is that the first two chemotherapy treatments that they gave him did not work. They had no response. So but and um, he's, so they said that we only have one treatment left, and thank God he's getting a response from that. So that's basically, in essence, what I'm talking about here is that you may do something and say it's got no response using that term or the response is contrary to what the science says and then oftentimes well now that will so now that doctor who is treating dr pollock said to him i've never had this happen before where the patient with your type of cancer didn't respond to this so if that doctor is a good doctor he's going to use that situation with dr pollock and use that in his mind and when he gets sadly another patient and says well i know it didn't respond to this i had to do this instead i had to change the gap on the points to get this engine to run right now the thing is that when you're dealing with an animal or a human body or something or even with a crop you're going to just say well all right you may not be able you just know that you keep that in your mental toolbox of tricks that this plant just like i found out that the 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 hybrid that i plant is a real prima donna if everything is not perfect she ain't growing so right whereas you could plant another we planted about 10 years ago we planted another corn called chieftain that thing made corn like a freight train it didn't care about the soil temperature it didn't care about anything all right i mean uh i mean it just made corn like a freight train the only thing is that my customer base did not like the taste on it all right but as far as if you were selling it wholesale something that sucker would just bring home the bacon every time all right but but the one i'm planting is much is is very very finicky it's a prima donna so the point is i get ready to close here is that lots of times when you're dealing with things machinery wise and machinery broad based from a car from a drag race car to a combine to a grain bin to an irrigation pump or what have you to a well pump to your boiler your oil burner your furnace your air conditioner is that lots of times the result when i mean the result the end result that's in front of you anecdotally will 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 be in strict contrast to will be strict contrast to i got a kitten here no hannah strict contrast to uh come on no hannah hannah don't go on my head all right strict contrast to um to what the specifications or what it did before and that's when we have to stop and think and depending upon the situation you're taking somebody to the hospital who the hell cares what the point gap is you got to get them to the hospital but if you have a crop that's not responding you have an irrigation pump that's not responding you have an you have something is that we need to no 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 we need to look we, i'm saying no 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 to the kitten we need to, well these kittens are strong we need to look look backwards get ourselves out of that ditch look backwards and then go and say what's going on here and then oftentimes and in a design community all right and which is the same which is the same thing 
which is the same thing like the high-yield farmer would go and say, well, you know, the, the agronomist told me it doesn't want it doesn't want so much boron, but I happened to spill some boron here, and this thing, <coughs> excuse me, made pods on the soybeans like a freight train, or what have you. So we need to look at that, and then lots of times you will find that the science, all right, just like the medical field and the science of agronomy or the science of engineering, the science of engines, all right, what we thought was happening is not happening, all right, or it's happening only to a certain extent. And that is why when you stumbled upon something is that you saw a response, a positive response, or you saw a negative response and you found out, yes, the, we, they said to me that the voltage threshold on this is down to 9.6 volts, but this sucker don't like it at, at 11.2. All right, so the volt, so, so like I say, you need to, as a diagnostician, you need to have an open mind, but the most important thing is they get ready to close before these kittens completely race the show, is that you have to be able to be open-minded while you still are respecting and honoring the mathematics the engineering and the science but lots of times you will find that the that the, what we thought was actually happening may not be happening or there's another element that is impacting it so for instance going back to that gentleman with the barracuda or maybe the primary resistance on the ignition coil. Maybe he changed it. Maybe the coil changed. Maybe it's a 40-year-old coil. I don't know. And now when that changes, now all of a sudden it comes back into, into line and that engine likes that. Or maybe <clears throat> you have some crop nutrition problem. Or maybe on your grain bin controller, the power company's sending you the wrong voltage or sending you some dirty voltage. And now once that, or once they fix that transformer over there, everything is good. Or once they change that transformer that blew up in town, everything has changed. So really, it's a complicated world today. But it's complicated, but you need to actually just identify what is happening and keep that in the back of your mind so hopefully you got some value from this show next week i'll be back online with with the toolbox not the toolbox that's the hot rod farmer license plates giving those out the pins in my map and i want to thank you so much for listening and i want you to know that the hot rod farmers born for you the american farmer and rancher and all farmers and ranchers around the world and my beloved america love your country your country should be beloved too America is my country, Canada is yours, Germany is yours, you love it also. You take care, bye-bye.